Hey everyone, so grateful that you can join us for week five of our Mark series. You can get all the rest of the messages if you need to catch up, they're all on our YouTube channel. Um, and next week we have a special treat for you. We have Pastor Beck. After a bit of an absence from uh, being able to preach because of our family uh, and our new child, um, she is going to be back in the pulpit and she's going to be bringing the word next week. I also just want to highlight that right now you can go on to wherever you get your apps from, from your phone, and get yourself the Lift Church app. You just have to search for Lift Church Perth. And this is a great tool for us to be able to communicate and to stay in touch with one another as a family. We've got chat rooms that are enabled on our app. We've got a whole section just for prayer requests. If you've got anything that we can pray for with you, um, and, and you've got, there's the links to all these video messages, there's also the link to our Zoom room for all the different Zoom sessions that we run through the week. That's all there on the app as well as other functions, which is really fantastic for us to be able to, to stay in touch with one another as a community. And this week, we are going to, first of all, finish off chapter 1 of Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45, and then we're going to be edging into Mark chapter 2. And yes, it has taken us quite a long to work through the first chapter, but there was so much in this introduction uh, to Jesus's ministry and all that he uh, was going to do. And, um, and so I'm really excited because uh, the, the passages that we're going to be reading today, they, they contain some really interesting things for you to consider. So we're going to be starting Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. It says this, A man with leprosy came to him, being Jesus, and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Really interesting. Jesus healing leprosy. Well, what was leprosy? Leprosy is a term used in the Bible uh, that contains a whole bunch of different skin conditions, uh, skin diseases that, that were incurable. Uh, they, 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 they were left to this person. And um, the thing about leprosy was that it was pretty serious. And um, the biblical picture of leprosy is akin to death. Uh, why did it... Uh, bring up a picture of death is not just because this skin condition was incurable and sometimes very severe, but also because of the separation leprosy would cause the person to have to go through. You see, in um, the Mosaic law, we read about how when a person has leprosy, they were not allowed to live in the city or the town. They had to live outside the city walls. And on top of that, whenever they came in any close contact uh, with people, they had to be shouting at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean. 
They had to be isolated from people. Uh, and, and probably a big part of this was to ensure that there was not this spread of this skin condition in the whole community. Uh, but there was also this sense that this skin disease meant that this person was then unclean and unable to enter into God's presence or the temple as well. And so from there, in the prophetic scriptures, in the Old Testament, in Israel scriptures, we read about how leprosy was used as an analogy for the exile, which was due to sin and idolatry. What does this mean? Well, if you read about Israel's history in, uh, in the Old Testament, we read about how after the era of kings, because of the sin, because of the idolatry of the Israelite nation, uh, the, God allowed them to be conquered by other nations and to be taken away from the promised land into exile. There was this separation, separation from God's promises, separation from God's presence, separation in the form of exile. And when we read uh, passages like Jeremiah 41 verse 5 or Isaiah 3 verses 18 to 26, we read about how these prof uh, prophets spoke about leprosy in the same way as the exile. The exile, leprosy. Leprosy is this separation, is this death, is this punishment for sin. And so when we see this man with leprosy coming to Jesus, this is a very interesting moment because this is a question, I guess, a challenge maybe to Jesus' authority. Are you going to be able to do anything about this separation and death? But the thing that was quite interesting was the way that this man approached Jesus. He did not ask for his healing per se, but he made this statement, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. And we can see that Jesus was indignant. Some, some of the translations talk about how Jesus was angry. He was angry because this man came to him and he seemed to understand that Jesus would be able to deal with this leprosy. If you're willing, you can make me clean. There was this, there was this sense of, I know you have the power and the ability. It, it comes down to whether you have the compassion and the willingness to make me clean. And this man who came to Jesus knowing uh, to some level that he would be able to make him clean, that therefore the challenge was actually on Jesus's heart. Jesus, are you going to have the heart for people like me? What is your heart? What is the kingdom's perspective of those who are being punished for sin, those who are supposed to be outcasted, those who are separated from God's presence. What is your heart towards people like me? And so Jesus's heart was, well, I am angry that you would even question that whether I have the capacity to love someone like you. Isn't that an amazing picture? So many of us come to Jesus and we, 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 Maybe think that we need to be forgiven more, we need to be holier, we need to be uh, sanctified before Jesus is able to love us. We come to Jesus with requests like, would you please love me? And, and, and Jesus' response is, I, I, I'm willing. And so Jesus heals this man. 
very easily, very quickly, is it be, be clean and, and, and this man is healed, which is amazing. This is Jesus's um, show of his unparalleled authority that he is able to even deal with sin, separation, death. Powerful. But here then we have this interesting uh, fact that Jesus then instructs the man not to tell anyone, but instead go to the, the temple and go to the priest and give the offering to show that he's cleansed. See, Jesus did not come in order to get rid of uh, the Mosaic law. He still wanted people to be able to relate to the law. Why? Because the law was God given. There was this power. There was this uh, truth behind it. But what does this man do? Instead of going to see the priest, he goes and he spreads the word exactly what Jesus told him not to do. This is a really interesting picture of Israel. Israel was the one that was leprous. Israel was the one that was being punished for their sin and idolatry. And now that he is healed, the first thing he does is to go against the law and to disobey Jesus. And this is a picture of Israel that Jesus had redeemed them. God had redeemed them many times and brought them back to himself. But yet there was still this stubbornness and this sinfulness in the, on the inside of their hearts. Yet Jesus continues to heal. Yet Jesus continues to bring us close to him. Very interesting. And here's a little uh, controversy as well. Why did Jesus tell this man not to spread the word? Well, more than likely, it is because it would then hamper Jesus's ministry. Jesus did not just want to be known for his healing, but also his teaching. Both were extremely important. But the moment this man talked about his healing, all people wanted to see was more healings. And so they would crowd Jesus. They would ask for more signs. They would ask for more miracles. So much so that Jesus was prevented from being able to move around and to be able to spread his teachings. And so we come to the end of chapter 1, and now we enter into Mark chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. 
So here's an interesting point. Jesus is once again in Capernaum, and instead of ministering at the synagogue, which was his practice, especially as you saw in chapter 1, he was now in a home. This is quite likely because of the leprous man's actions at the end of chapter 1. By spreading the word, he had created such a controversy around Jesus' presence at the synagogue that he was not able to minister the way that he would like to. He had to go into homes and still people would come to him. So anyway, that's just a little note that sometimes our disobedience, even though it makes sense to us, can actually hamper what God is wanting to do. And this account in chapter 2 is the start of five controversies back to back. Um, and these controversies are showing how Jesus is bringing kingdom culture that is different to the earthly culture or even really the Hebrew culture of that day and that age. Uh, So keep that in mind as we read through these five different accounts. We are reading about a fight really between the kingdom culture and the Hebrew culture and we get to see God's heart a lot more through what Jesus is doing in these five accounts. The Messiah was challenging the status quo. And so in this scene, we see a paralyzed man that was being brought to Jesus by his four friends. But because of the crowd, they had to go through the roof. Now, here's a really interesting fact that I learned while studying for this. In the Greco-Roman world, a person marked for death would not be allowed to enter through the door. He would need to be lowered through an opening made in the roof. A person, for whatever reason, that culture did not allow a person marked for death to enter through the door. It probably was a superstition. It probably was a cultural practice. And so they did not want death entering through the doors. And so for a person to enter the the house, you have to be entered through the roof. What did these four friends do? They saw that this man who was lame could not enter through the door to get to life. And so what did they do? They break through the roof and lower him in. This man was not just lame, he was marked for death. He was marked, how is he marked for death? Well, Jesus deals with this when he looks at this man and with compassion, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. This is an amazing picture for us to grab a hold of that even though sometimes we have physical infirmities that we want healed, Jesus understands the death sentence that is on all of our heads and that is because of our sins. And so Jesus deals with the death sentence before he deals with the physical ailments and he says that your sins are forgiven. How powerful. And I want to point out something else that this man was only able to come to Jesus because of his friends. And it says that when Jesus saw their faith, their faith was probably at the four friends' faith. They possibly included this man's faith as well. But more than likely, Jesus was looking at these four men and seeing the faith that they had, Jesus forgives his sins. What is your faith going to propel you to do? How is your faith going to move Jesus to bringing forgiveness and healing to your friends and to your family? This is an amazing picture for us today that Jesus desires to to heal. Jesus desires to forgive, but it takes faith to bring people into the space where Jesus is able to do that.
Let us be a people of faith, church. Let us be bringing people to God's presence, believing that Jesus is able to heal, to forgive, and to make whole. It's powerful. But here, this is the controversy that then appeared. Because the, the religious leaders, seeing that this was happening, they thought <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even speak it out. They were just thinking it. But Jesus in his spirit knew what they were thinking. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, this is something that is found in Jewish scripture, Jewish law. No one is allowed to forgive but God alone. And so Jesus then uh, uh, forgives, not just forgives, but he actually heals the man in order to give us this picture that he is able both to heal and to forgive our sins. This is the first of the five controversies. Jesus is establishing that the kingdom that he's bringing is not just about the physical. It's not just about this realm. It is about a whole other spiritual realm. It is, it, it, the kingdom deals with our sin. It deals with our separation issue from God. This is absolutely powerful. Also note that Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. This is a term that is found in Daniel's prophetic vision of Jesus. So if you read the book of Daniel, you will see that Daniel saw a son of man coming, the Messiah. And it was not a very popular term as opposed to things uh, to, to terms like the Messiah, for example. Uh, but why Jesus chose the term the son of man, we don't fully know. But it carries this vagueness and this ambiguity in it, doesn't it? Jesus doesn't fit neatly into our boxes. Uh, he doesn't color between the lines that we provide. Yet he ushers in the kingdom and brings us a whole new life. And that is a big part about what this first controversy was about. That Jesus is God and able to heal our sins. If only we would have the faith to bring people close to Jesus in order for this work to be accomplished. All right, I do want to also cover one other segment, and that's verses 13 to 17. So let's read on. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, he, uh, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So here, Jesus once again clashes with uh, the Pharisees, and shows a different part to the kingdom. This is where Jesus calls his next disciple, Levi, the tax collector. Levi, what a amazing name. In the Old Testament, the Levites were the ones who, who, who carried out the temple work, who, who were the ones that, that, that carried the tabernacle in the desert. They were the ones who, who upkept the temple of God. This man being called Levi was a very traditional Israeli name. It carried so much meaning. But now this man was a tax 
collector, the enemy of the people, one who was now siding with the Roman Empire. There was no one who was more hated than the tax collectors. In fact, according to the religious leaders who created these laws uh, for the uh, Israeli people to abide by, the moment a tax collector walks into a house, that house is considered unclean. That's how much they thought that these people were sinners and they brought their sin with them. Yet Jesus sees Levi and calls him. And now Levi then throws a party, invites other tax collectors, his friends, these people who are all sinners. And, and he has Jesus with him. And the teachers of the law say, why does he eat with sinners and uh, tax collectors? And this was a huge thing because Jesus was known as a rabbi. He understood the law. He understood that being in the same house with these collectors, these tax collectors would make him unclean. Which was a huge deal because when you are unclean, it means that you cannot enter God's presence. This was a huge deal for the rabbis and it should have been a huge deal for Jesus. But Jesus does not care about that law because that law was created by humans. He did not see the tax collectors as unclean the way that the other Pharisees did. In fact, he saw them as sick, needing healing. And the fact that he showed such care for Levi, which then made Levi throw this party and that invite all his friends to want to meet Jesus, shows that he understood and received and experienced the love of God in a brand new way through Jesus. This is the beauty of our Jesus. He brings healing to us. Our sin does not make Jesus unclean, which is the way that the old law saw. Our sin does not separate us from Jesus. In this new kingdom, Jesus brings the cleansing to us. The kingdom culture is one of grace, calling in the sick, calling in the outcasts, raising the dead to life. We don't have to earn our way to the kingdom. Jesus comes to us. You see, in the religious leader's mindset, they needed to be holier in order to be able to come into God's presence. In Jesus' way, His holiness is what is a enables Him to bring healing to us. So Jesus comes to each and every one of us in a very similar way. He calls us. And the question is, how are we going to respond? What does your faith lead you to do. This is our thoughts uh, for Mark chapter 1 verse 40 all the way to chapter 2 verse 17. Jesus ushers in a new kingdom. And uh, I'm just going to pray now and uh, please make sure you get into your lift groups and we'll have some questions for discussion in there to help you continue to chew through these things. But I want to leave you uh, with this prayer, this prayer of response to Jesus as he comes to us and brings his healing. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I am unwell, that I need a physician. I thank you that you come with grace and mercy. I pray that you enter into my life and you bring your healing, that you bring your forgiveness and you bring your life. I pray that I'm able to experience your life and your life abundantly. I thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. 
Thanks so much, everyone, for being a part of this week's message. Uh, enjoy Lift Groups, and we'll see you next week with Pastor Beck bringing the word.